Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 382, continuing on with our writer series. And I've got an amazing returning guest, Clev Mesador. She is a phenom and she is also an author. She's written an incredible book and I'm excited to share that with you today. How are you today, Clev? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be back. Oh, no, it's great to have you on. I had you on the show, gosh, it's been a couple of years now. And oh, yeah. so much has changed since then. I mean, you, you've, you've already had an amazing career. But I remember when we last spoke, you were just starting to get into the blockchain and crypto space. And now uh, you are a thought leader in the space and you've written a book. And so I, I want to catch all of our listeners up on that. So before we, we jump into that. Maybe if you could share a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do, and where you're located. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Clev Mesador. I, I wear a, quite a few hats in the crypto space, but I'm pleased to announce that I was just appointed executive director to an industry-wide education movement. So the blockchain industry has come together to create the Blockchain Foundation, a 501c3, to be laser focused on educating the public, to make sure the public has trusted content to make informed choices. So I'm very excited, but it was a journey to get here. Previously, I served in the Obama administration as a presidential appointee, worked in Congress. And when I left the administration, you know, I decided to, to Go, learn more about this little thing I, I learned about while I was in the Obama administration. In 2013, a friend had a Bitcoin project, asked me to help with a press release. Wow. I helped with the press release and, and it stayed in my radar, but I didn't focus on it until I moved back to New York City and got immersed into the innovation ecosystem back then. And that was 2017. And oh my God, it's been surreal, that journey over the last five going on six years. Well, first of all, congratulations. That is an incredible honor. And I'm so thrilled to have you back because there's been such a big gap in time between the last time you were on the show and now. And you've also written a book. And can you share with our listeners what the name of the book is? Yes, it is The Clevolution, My Quest for Justice in Politics in Crypto. So it's, it's really just that, right? It has been my quest for social impact, for justice. But I'll, I'll, I'll step back. You know, the name, The Clevolution, believe it or not, it was not me who created it. Really? A friend of mine, actually, because it was when I first created a podcast, which was when we mm-hmm. initially connected. And I asked a few friends for names. And one of them said, The Clevolution. And then a few months later, another friend said, oh, wow, I love how it means evolution and revolution. Ah, blew my mind. So, so the book is really about this journey, about my revolution and how it turned into this evolution. You know, I really wanted, I've always wanted to make a social impact to change the world. I thought I could do that through politics. And then I stumbled onto crypto just as I started to become disillusioned. And now I feel like I am part of this revolution, right? This paradigm shift that is in the work. So it's very exciting. And I I talk about this journey in the book. Well, tell us a little bit more about the book, about what you cover in it and and why you felt it was important to share that uh, in in a book form. 
Yeah, I will tell you that my story is very typical. I think we all feel that way, right? I, I was born in Haiti. I moved to the U.S. when I was eight and you know, grew up here, had to learn English, had to become socialized, became a U.S. citizen and grew up in the 80s during the you know, hip hop period of time. Mm-hmm. So it's been quite a journey where I, you know, I, I matured, I socialized into the space. And so, as I said, you know, this whole, you know, immigrant story, growing up in the US, assimilating into culture and then finding your way was a big part of that. But I felt I had, you know, I had a unique voice because of some of the experiences I've been privileged to have. And also, you know, I felt I was conflicted, right? This whole, you know, quest for justice, wanting to change the world, being, you know, disillusioned in Washington. So I capture all that, right? Why I became disillusioned? You know, what were my, my you know, my goals and aspirations in terms of the impact politics could have? And I took it back to even my, my, my I guess, my heritage, right? Mm-hmm. You know, being Haitian American, being born in Haiti, Haiti's violent, vi- not violent, violent, V-I-L-A-N-T, <laughs> mm. you know, but really, you know, in terms of this revolution that really sparked a call for freedom and, you know, feeling like I am a descendant of that. I, I am, you know, part of that story, part of that narrative and wanting to live up to the legacy that Toussaint Louverture and Henri de Saline left behind. And so I capture all that. I capture my origin story. And I talk about, you know, the accomplishments that I had that led me to the Obama administration. But the challenge is that I, I, you know, I realized how much we couldn't accomplish, right? Despite the fact that we elected the first black president, um, all of, we had all this great vision. And so, and so then I talk about, you know, getting immersed in the crypto industry and finding my tribe and figuring out how I could make an impact and finding a space with, you know, a, a band of misfits who, you know, would on, on other, in any other circumstance, we would not connect, we would not collaborate, but it is about this technology that's transformative and revolutionary that is guiding each of our paths, right? We may be on the same, you know, we're all in the same crypto revolution and storm, but we're not on the same, in the same boat, right? Um, we're all in different boats going through that journey and that's okay. Yeah, I, I love that. I love the fact that it it not only ties in your, your career journey, but your personal story and, and your background. Uh, so Clev, I, I want to ask, I'm so curious, uh, did you always want to write a book? Was this an aspiration that you've had for a long time? Yeah, actually, when I worked in Congress, I started thinking about it. Right? I started, and, and I will say I'm, I'm analytical by nature and communications is my sweet spot. I love to read and I used to write poetry. So what I found over the years is I would write thoughts on paper, right? Or I'll have drafts in my email that are just things that, you know, really, really, you know, struck me, really, you know, made me think or really had an impact on me emotionally. And over the years, I'll pull them out and I'll see a theme, right? I'll see the consistency. So that actually was the first indication that I wanted to find a way to pull these thoughts together, that they were actually trying to come out, right? They were actually trying to be birthed. 
And so, but it was a journey, it, you know, I think it was like six years ago, I said, I wanted to do this. And, you know, I, I thought of names, I thought of a chapter, but it took, it took the experiences, it took the revolution, right? The can't do it in Washington, very frustrated. Where do I go? How do I find my way? And that evolution, right? So recognizing that I needed to find you know, a, a space where I could be the leader that I wanted to be and that I could use my skills and talents to advance my agenda. That's great. I, I love it. Uh, first of all, just the fact that um, it sounds like you've been a writer your entire life, not necessarily in book form, but you've always jotted down thoughts. I, I love that, the, the practice of even just thinking of email as you're, you're composing your thoughts. Any one of your points in life, though, Clev, I thought would have made a great book. You know, everything from your childhood to your early career. Why was this particular time the right time to write a book? Yeah, you you made a lot of great points because I, I, as I said, it's my origin story. I really go through this path. But yeah, there are different periods of the time that I could have spent so much more time just immersed in that, you know, writing a book just on that period. And so my goal is to actually at some point step back and take the narrative in terms of more narrow, part, narrow parts of my story and do a second book. As, as oh, Obviously, your story is still continuing. And, and I imagine exactly. that there's so much. Uh, that that could have gone in that first book that maybe you're going to save for another one. So let's talk up a little bit about your process because I really want our listeners to learn from you. So where did you start? You have so much experience, both life and career ex experience. You've done so many different things. Where do you start writing a book? How, how does Clev Mesador begin a book? Yes. And it goes back to your last question, right? Why now? Right? What was, if this was a journey? And so again, it had been, you know, all of these little writings I kept finding that I was saying like, I was just like, oh my God, this sounds familiar and, and seeing the connection. So for me, I started with chapter one, right? And, and, and so for a lot of people, you know, they think to write that structure, right? Put together the outline, what mm -hmm. are the sections of the book? And that absolutely is the right way to, to, to go about this. But, but the story was already so, I guess I was so pregnant with the story that <laughs> different chapters just started coming together. Okay. And, they, and, and I had to find ways to weave them together. But so my process was not traditional, but, but, I, but I also knew the story I wanted to tell. Even when you read the book, I start with this, this disillusionment. I start with that period, you know, after the Obama administration that I was just like, oh my God, I'm not gonna change the world. Oh my God, you know, Washington wasn't the space. I waited, wasted all this time and maybe I'm never going to do it, right? And then I went back to, you know, my beginnings in Haiti and talked about that. And then growing up in the eighties, you know, during this incredible period of time in New York City on Hollis Avenue, when I would literally go to the avenue and Run DMC would be there, wow. when after my middle school, LL Cool J would be outside. You know, just growing up, you know, as this Haitian American kid in New York City and not understanding what was being birthed and what and what would evolve and how I felt I was a part of that. So for my process, I really weave the stories together, even as I started talking to a few editors about the book, right, and a, and a few folks who actually, you know, 
that was what they struggled with. They struggled with the fact that the story was a little erotic, right? The story was very first person. The story was, you know, very critical about parts of the Obama administration. And so for me, I wanted to tell, if I was going to tell this story, it was going to be my way. And that's one of the reasons I did go to the path of self-publishing. Oh, okay. I, I was about to ask, I mean, because obviously with your background, with all of your experience and the story you wanted to tell, you, I think you probably could have gone either way. So was, yeah. was that the calculus, you know, you, you wanted to tell your story and so self-publishing just allowed you that ability and to, to maintain kind of that control over your story? Yes, the control was very important for me. Every time I spoke with somebody and they felt if we shifted things this way, if we told the story this, that way, and I was like, but that's not the story I wanted to tell. <laughs> I, and, and luckily I was in a period where I could actually tell my story yeah. tell it in different ways. But, but actually there was another point as well. As I researched, you know, this whole process, again, reached out mm -hmm. to, you know, people, you know, people who had actually edited books from Obama appointees, right? People who like, who like to write books, who like books from, you know, former political staffers, you know, and, and, and so, so I, I did go that, down that rabbit hole to learn that process. One of the things that really bothered me is how little authors got paid, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and how long it took authors, in some cases, to pay back the royalty. Oh, yeah, or, yeah. And so, so for me, again, a, a person who's in crypto, who, you know, why are all these intermediaries, you know, essentially you are, and you end up being in debt to people who are making money off of your book. So, so for me, you know, especially being in crypto, this, this process just didn't make any sense. It didn't benefit the author, right? Authors had to write three or four books before they even got royalties that mattered. And so, so that was a big issue for me. But then again, you know, I, but the, the ultimate thing was telling my story my way. And I, getting to that, because you are one of the busiest people I know. How did you make the time? And I want to really share this with anyone who says, oh, you know what? I don't have time. I'm too busy. You're one of the busiest people I know. How did you find the time to write a book? So I, I had been writing it forever. COVID was actually when I actually finished it. Oh, okay. Again, the elements were there. And, and some of the chapters had been, four chapters were already written, right? And okay. as, I, as I told you, I had to go find these pieces of paper, these drafts and emails from three years ago, from five years ago. I'm a digital pack rat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm a digital hoarder. Unfortunately, I have hundred. That, that works great if you're writing a book. I think you know if you had yeah. your. It sounds like so. It sounds like you had pieces of the book in all these different digital drawers, if you will, emails and notes. I, I think that's great. Was that intentional? Did you write that email and think this is going to go in a book later, or was it just more going back and seeing what you had already created and then compiling it together? Well, I think that goes back to your question in terms of the process, right? Right. But also the time, because, you know, you're right. I'm so busy. I don't have time. So writing these things was getting them out and putting them anywhere because I didn't have the time to actually, you know, stream it together, follow the outline, right. you know, consider the transitions. So for me, because I'm busy, I needed to just you know, put these notes out there, share this chapter here, write this experience, journal this experience, 
and then bring it together. So COVID actually gave me the time that I needed to actually sit and pull it together. And I'll tell you for, for your, you know, for your listeners, for your audience, I had to tell you during COVID, I realized if it wasn't for COVID, I would have been, I would have been, you know, 10 years from now had like two books in, in, in different forms, right? COVID really helped us to realize what's important and making, taking the time to do it. So even, you know, now that we're coming out of COVID, I try to try to make time for writing, for being introspective, but, but I will say, you know, if you don't have the time, write whenever you can in whatever way you can. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be, you know, perfect. But, and then, you know, at some point you can come together and pull it all together. Yeah. In fact, what you're sharing reminds me, I listened to an interview with John Grisham on NPR and uh, he was talking about when he wrote his first novel, he was a trial lawyer and he would, he, the only time he would have time to write was in between court sessions. He would sit on a bench with like a notepad and just scratch out a paragraph or two. And he had to do this for years before he could put that first novel together. It sounds like you had a very similar experience, just having little gems here and there. And then during the pandemic is when you're able to actually have, have that larger block of time. I, have, I love what, what you're sharing. Did you give yourself a hard deadline to finish that first draft and, and, and say, you know what, I'm going to get it done by X date? Yes. Once I sat down and I said I was going to make the time, I, I did. I said, I, I gave myself a month to pull, weave the pieces together as rough and, 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 and raw as it is. Right. And then, you know, another period of time to actually go back and weave it together, put together the transitions, figure out what's missing. And I, you know, taxed a few friends and relatives to read different chapters for me, different sections for me, and tell me what they think. Right. And, and that actually was very helpful because one of the stories I tell, I had forgotten. And one of my cousins said, Your mom, my mom, my cousin said his mom told him that I told her about this story when I was young. And I was like, oh my God, that is such, and, and, and I actually share that in the, you know, in the opening, in the opening monologue of the book. And so, so I gave myself a process because I, I included other people in the process. So I had to get things to them, you know, and, and that was how I held myself accountable. Right. This person said, yes, I need to get it back to them. Right. And then once it started coming together, I'm one of those people who is motivated by deadlines by, okay, yep. now I can see the finish line. Let me sprint. And once I saw this was coming together, I was like, okay, we have to do this. And, and I would literally stay up till 3 a.m. I would wake up in the middle of the night writing. You know, I would, you know, I would go to the park at 7 a.m. just to mark it up. Mm, I love couple things you're sharing. Number one is that you had a support group around you, family and, and people that you trusted. That was part of your system, your accountability system, but also it was a great way to jog the memory on maybe some stories you had forgotten that ended up being gold for the book. And then also that you gave yourself a deadline. I think that's super important if you're going to do something massive, like write a book. Clev, I, I want to ask you though, were there any major challenges? Were there any rough spots? Did you ever hit writer's block or was there kind of that brick wall that a lot of writers hit during the process? Yeah, actually there was one because, you know, I, as I wrote the story about my revolution and evolution, I, I realized that I had to get personal. One of the things I'm always asked about is, 
why are you single? Why, why aren't you married? And I always appear to be such a workaholic to people and I am. So I felt I needed to devote a few chapters to, to, to sharing that personal and very vulnerable part of me of why you know, I am you know, a loner and, you know, and my failed relationships. So, so for me, that piece was, I spent time thinking about <clears throat> the men I've dated in the past, the relationships, why they failed. Even you know, my journey in terms of figuring out why I have commitment issues. So that piece was, was difficult. And then once I actually you know, weave the relationships and, and saw the patterns that I had, and I knew I had wanted to tell that part of the story, you know, I actually had to change the names of some of the you know, guys I've dated or the circumstances because even though, you know, this was very, you know, origin story, auto, you know, autobiographical, you know, I wanted, and some of the situations would just be so familiar that I, I, I decided to change some of the names and some of the locations, but I decided that I was going to be honest with that section. I was not going to, you know, pepper it other than changing the names, you know, to, you know, so that folks wouldn't get called out for doing X or Y. But, but for me, it was, I wanted to be personal. And recently I told a friend that I, I was a big fan of Prince and I quote him in the book. Mm -hmm. And early on, I, I was struck by him because he didn't do interviews for a long time, for like decades. That was one of the things he refused to do. He'd, he'd, he'd be, he'd perform, but then just to do sit down interviews. And so I remember thinking that he, his, that was because his music was for him, right? That was why he, he wrote for so many people under pseudonyms, did so many things anonymously, had like a vault of because it was all for him and we we just got to peer into it right so i figured if i channeled friends if he could share his most his most personal thoughts in his music which was a love song for him and we just got to view it participate be in his presence i wanted those you know those sections of the book to really be honest right and and introspective and 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 no filter I love that. I love that, that you went to that place and that I, I imagine that must've been very unexpected, especially when you first started thinking about the book and then when you're actually getting into that and then realizing, oh gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to go into those places. I think that's really incredible. And I really appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. So on that vein, I do want to ask you, we have listeners who may be thinking about writing a book and it may be based off of their own personal journey. Um, what advice do you have to that person who may be hesitant to start or wondering, can I even do this? Wow. Yeah. I would say we all have a story to tell and being in crypto, it's really about decentralization, no longer relying on centralized figures to be, you know, the, 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 the intermediaries, right. The deciders to, you know, whether your community is small or large, Right, you have you can be an owner, a creator, a producer. So, so I would tell them each that you know, before it used to be a thing. Oh my God, I want to get become a New York Times bestseller. Oh, I want to sell a million copies. No, today we've gotten to a point where decentralization, whether you understand it or not, is what what people have sh shown that they want. That's the sharing economy. So it's my long-winded way of saying, if you're hesitant, just think about your community, your five people, your 50 people, right? 
think of them because those people if they're for some reason whatever the synergy is between you just know that they're replicated by thousands out there who are gonna be like oh my god you know this is you know i, I was waiting for this story right yeah. so don't underestimate how much you can ins inspire and 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 do you know be like prince you know do it for you for a very long time right and you know if even if you never share it at least you know you will birth it right you will allow it to actually come out and you know have form and that's very important so uh, i i do want to ask because your book went to some personal places and you shared so much of your story how did it feel when you were done was it cathartic was it scary uh, what were the range of emotions that you felt uh, leading up to when you hit publish yes it was cathartic i was just like oh my god i needed to do this then I did start thinking, oh my God, my, my siblings are going to read this. Oh, the, my parents had passed away by that time. I was like, oh my God. You know, then I, it, it became like, oh my God, what are you going to think? You know, it's not like I could tell them, don't read this chapter, right? Right. <laughs> and so, and so, 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 so it did become scary, right? Just about anything. It's like, oh my God, this is like my baby, right? This is just like my origin story. Can I trust people with it? And I had to go back to saying, this is for me. I'm just giving people an, an opportunity to read it, access it, but they don't have to. And so it's been such a blessing to have so many people say, oh my God, your story changed me. Mm -hmm. Oh, I could identify. I've gotten so many notes from people, even people who saw me read the, read the book and sent an email saying these experiences I've had and I could never articulate them in the same way. So, you know, just because you go through it doesn't mean you're going to be like, can I do this? Is this too, or is this too, you know, is this too much information? But again, it's part of that journey. And if you just take one step at a time, right? Brick by brick. And, and I think that's when it doesn't become overwhelming as you're just starting, right? You're just taking a step and another step and another step before you know it, you have a book. <laughs> I love that. A couple of things you're sharing. Number one, I love the analogy you shared of, of Prince and his music and that um, you have a tribe and that you have a story and your story is going to impact someone. And if you have five people, there are probably five more people in somewhere else. And then another five people, you never know who you're going to touch with your story. And, and that I think is enough motivation for you to share it. And I, what an inspiration. I think that is incredible. Clev, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so the book, The Clevolution, My Quest for Justice in Politics and Crypto is available on Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Amazon. I'm, I'm accessible on Twitter. My handle is at CMESI, just at first initial, four, first four letters of last name, at CMESI. Because of crypto, I have some horrible cloned accounts out there, impersonation accounts where they're cloning my... So I, if... All of my social, all, all of my social media, I've been on them for over ten years. Anything that's been within the last, you know, year is fake because I don't, I have one account and everything. I, I wanted to share that disclaimer because these scammers are relentless. And, uh, yeah, and also, I think I think it's long overdue for you to get verified on these platforms. They need to give you the uh, the blue check mark. Oh my! It's so hard to do that. It's, it it it, it didn't used to be. I wish I had done it before it became such a chore. Such a thing, so, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we'll have all of the official social media accounts as well as links to your book. One more time, can you share? I just want to make sure our listeners have this, the name of your book uh, once again. Yes. So it's called The Clevolution, My Quest for Justice in Politics and Crypto. And the website is theclevolution.com. And we'll have all of that on the write-up. Moving forward, listeners, you've gotten some great insights from a great author, a great person. Clev, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back on the show to catch me up on all the great things you're doing and to share some incredible insights with our listeners. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me on. And thank you for sharing these stories. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. And we'll have the write-up at bemovingforward.com. Remember, folks, the videos are releasing on Wednesdays, the podcast on Thursdays, along with the write-up on the website. I'll be back next week with another episode. You can find the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. The views expressed by any featured guests are not necessarily those of the host, the program, or affiliates. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and bemovingforward.com. All rights reserved.